0: Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.
1: They're here! Fresh, locally grown Ontario greenhouse tomatoes, cucumbers, and peppers are in stores now. Brought to you by the Ontario Greenhouse Vegetable Growers and Foodland Ontario. Oh. 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 Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dolvin.
2: And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor here. Hi, so- Frank. Good day, Charlie. How are you? It's
3: gray again oh
2: yeah, uh, yeah well, i was hoping not to mention that too much
3: i you know. know i just because i'm looking at you and i'm looking over your shoulder and it's another gray <laughs> gray day on, in the spring but
2: never mind we're going to be uh, have a sunshiny show oh, wow that was that was a real tongue twister there I like and uh, i might mention to the listeners i'm going to give you the phone numbers to call folks and have a chat with charlie ask your questions or make a comment uh your choice but uh, the voice you will hear will uh, answering phone will be that of Damien Murray, uh, an operator who has been learning the ropes and doing splendidly. Uh, James Patrick Dooley's taking the day off today, left it all in the hands of Damien. So give a, a call in the Toronto area to this number, 416-360-0740. Then anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Now, Charlie, you have a number. Well, first of all, we're going to have a guest...
3: Yes, we are. A special guest uh, mm-hmm. uh, at about uh, 9.30. Yep. Miriam Goldberger will be joining us, and uh, we're looking forward to that. She's uh, just published a book called Taming Wildflowers. i got to
2: tell you, I've had a quick peek at it. Yeah. It really is it's, an impressive book. It's a
3: very pretty book, yep. and it's full of information. So, okay. uh, Miriam's going to tell us a little bit about that. She's from Wildflower Farm, and she'll tell us a bit about the farm as well. But uh, some upcoming events. Okay. Number one upcoming event. Now, I know your birthday is in May, is it not? That is true coming up, I think, next week? 25th. 25th. Oh, so a couple weeks ago. Well, tomorrow is my mom's birthday.
2: Oh, really? So
3: happy birthday, Dolly. Oh. And, you know, the, tor- the, the the May people, I find, they have this thing about using the entire month to celebrate their birthdays. <laughs> There's not, not just a day of their birth. It's a birth month. That's right. So, uh, How we demonize her like that. Yes, my mom's a tourist. But, oh, is she? Oh. Yes, yes. Nevertheless, that's, you guys are quite <laughs> alike in some ways. So <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> happy birthday, Mom. We are celebrating her birthday today with a brunch, but uh, her actual birthday is tomorrow. So.
0: Happy and birthday, I, n- I know That's she's great.
3: listening, so yeah. happy birthday to her. Now, lots going on in the gardening world, of course. Here's something that right now, also happening tomorrow, Sunday, May the 4th. These people promise plant delights. From noon until 4 p.m., the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is holding a plant sale featuring plants not available in regular garden centres. It's at the Toronto Botanical Gardens in the Floral Hall, free parking, and of course, carryout is available. So you might want to check that out for some plant delights tomorrow. Now, for members only, the Toronto Botanical Gardens is holding their plant sale preview this coming Thursday, May the 8th, from 12 noon until 8 p.m., Paul Zammett, and you mm-hmm. know who Paul is. Yep. We've had him on the show. He's the Nancy Eating dire- Nancy Eaton director of horticulture. He'll be making a presentation of his personal plant picks to the members that show up to the preview. Now, this is one of the best reasons to join Toronto Botanical Gardens because it's only forty-five dollars a year, and the plant sale is not open to the public until after the members uh. have had their pick of the crop. Right. So, good good reason to join. Only forty-five dollars a year. Now. Going on another plant sale in Georgetown on Friday, May the 9th. This is an evening sale from 6 p.m. at the Gellert Centre in Georgetown. Uh, Lots of variety, something for everyone, cash or check only. There's also a silent auction that night uh, with all kinds of really cool stuff that has been donated from the community. Monday, May 12th, the Agent Court Garden Club is holding their monthly meeting at 8 p.m. The speaker is Malcolm Geist on the subject of The Wonder of Insects in the Garden. Malcolm's great. It's probably He's probably going to make a very good presentation there. The Wonder of Insects. Don't be afraid of insects. They are quite often wonderful. The uh, Ashton Court Garden Club meets at the Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland Avenue. The main intersection is Shepherd Avenue, and there's lots of free parking. Um, I'm going to just jump ahead to a few more here because um, you might not know this, but um, I will not be here next Saturday. No, I don't know this. Well, you do. You just forgot. I will oh. not be here next Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I'm going to jump jump ahead and tell you a few more things that are coming up. The Burlington Hort Society has a general meeting and flower show on Wednesday, May the 14th at 7.30 p.m. They meet at the Burlington Senior Centre 2285 New Street at Drury Lane in Burlington. The speaker is Dougald Cameron. We should get him on the show. I don't think we've ever had Dougald on. He uh, runs a company called Garden Imports, and he imports amazing bulbs, oh, like yes. all kinds of unusual stuff. He has some regular stuff, but he also has, uh, he has really unusual plants. He has a great website, Garden Imports. He's going to be speaking about Clematis, the ultimate social climber. And also, Wednesday, May 14th, uh, the Riverdale Hort Society presents Miriam Goldberger, who's joining us today. She will be uh, speaking, of course, uh, about her book. She'll be selling signed copies of her book at the Riverdale Hort Society, and uh, there will be a plant sale from members' gardens as well. That's
2: a very busy uh, horticultural.
3: Riverdale, yeah, they're great. Yeah. They, they're they really good at sending me information as well. And, of course, they're the ones with the, the worm poop. Oh, yeah. uh, they meet at the Franklin Community <laughs> Centre uh, on Logan Avenue. All right, so there's uh, all I have time to tell you about. As you can see, there's lots going on. Boy,
2: is there ever. And
3: if you don't, you know, very, very simple. Google Ontario Horticultural Societies. It, it comes up, you know, GardenOntario.org. And then every community that has a hort society is listed alphabetically. So if you're thinking, you know, I might want to see if there's one in my neighborhood, just check check, check it out. on the web.
2: Okay. okay. Well, we're going to get back to the callers or to the callers for the first time, I'd say. So uh, when you call in, uh, you might be surprised that Charlie would tell you what you've forgotten. Um, I'll remind you of the phone numbers, 416 360 Anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. We'll be back to talk to Stanley from North Bay in just a moment.
4: Daffodils and daisies,
2: bluebells
5: and begonias, forcythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips, and sweet williams.
1: You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM
2: 740. That well could have been Damien singing that song. I think. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're back on the air here with Charlie Dobbin. Uh, your garden expert, and uh, we're going to be speaking right now to Stanley from North Bay. Hey, good morning and welcome. Good morning
4: to you.
3: Morning, Stanley.
4: Uh, I have some boxwood. Mm -hmm. It said on the uh, assorted boxwood. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, is that uh, okay for this uh, area?
3: Oh, good question.
4: Because some of the leaves, uh, I guess you call them leaves. I've got Mm -hmm. them in the front, some in the back, and they've gone a little bit.
3: Oh, a little bit brown, you mean? Yeah, yeah, dying off. Okay, so... Um right good point so you're probably zone 4 do you think your garden hardiness zone or do I, you know I don't know I don't, I don't know, know either it's probably about a zone 4 so yeah. with boxwood you are on the edge of it being hardy in your in your area okay. important thing for you to to do to try and help the boxwood get through the winter is to protect it from the sun that can shine in the winter, now this happens to all of us, when the ground is frozen, if the boxwood or any of the evergreens are exposed to the sunshine or are exposed to wind, then they start. They begin to dry out. And they can't get moisture from the soil because the soil is frozen solid and evergreens are never truly dormant, so moisture evaporates from their leaves and then you get browning. So the best thing we can do now, you have very consistent snowfall typically, and that's what will protect your boxwood. If there's a fear that there will not be snow cover, then you'll need to use burlap to cover them in the fall, just to make sure that the wind and or sun does not desiccate the plants. Yeah, well, this
4: was completely covered in snow this year.
3: Yeah, for sure. I
4: was wondering maybe because we had a bit of frost or uh, snow or rain that froze. ice, yeah. That uh, would... uh, sort of cause it
3: or not? Well, it could have, because again, like I said, the plants are never yep. truly dormant, so when yep. they're encased in ice and then covered in snow, yep. they suffer for a lack of oxygen. Yep. So that's what's interesting about this spring for all of us, not just you know the gardeners in North Bay, but also the gardeners all over, really all of Ontario, is we had such a strange winter, we're all standing back waiting to see what survived. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because it is, it's quite interesting, some strange things have happened in the gardens, and we're all sort of on at the edge of our seats, still waiting to see what's going to survive but what you're going to do is once your ground thaws and it's warmed up and things are starting to grow you will trim those boxwoods you'll trim out anything brown and you'll fertilize
4: yeah okay yeah, I've even noticed that some of the, the pines have
2: gone very brown this
3: year. Yes, many yeah. of the pines, very oh. brown. <laughs> and okay, thanks
2: for your time.
3: Thank you for your call.
2: Thanks, Stanley, and uh, take care of everybody else out there in the North Bay. You're listening to AM740, The Garden Show, with Charlie Dobbin. And there's an old saying, do not ask for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Uh, well, actually, I don't have a bell anymore. Somebody no, stole it. I know. So in this place, we we have wind chimes to welcome those who are first-time callers. Which is the case there, Dorothy, those wind chimes are for you in Mississauga. Hi, good morning.
5: <laughs> good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Welcome, I Dorothy. have an amaryllis that I would love to winter, or to, to get over the summer. Uh-huh. Now, the bulb is there, and there's two almost white, foot-long leaves from the center of the bulb, mm-hmm. but at the side, right in the soil, are two beautiful, about 6 uh, I guess it's a foot and a half long, beautiful green ones. How do I, what do I do now with it to keep it so I can have it in the fall?
3: So it obviously flowered a month or two ago?
5: Yes, it did.
3: Like by Christmas? Pardon? Did it flower at Christmas? No, it came after Christmas. Okay. So the flowering is done. You trimmed off the flower once it was done. Yes. Even, even the stem, the stalk that the flower was attached to, eventually turns yellow, so we trim that off. Oh, Me- I take that off? Yes, you can take off anything that's the yellow thing. Can I take it right down to the bulb? Or- that's right. And that's oh. that hollow flower stalk or stem. That yes. You can trim that off with a pair of scissors. But the bulb in its pot must stay in a sunny window. You need to water it uh, on, like let it dry down between waterings, but water it as you would a house plant, and let those green leaves grow. Oh, good. So I can do that all summer? That's right. Those green leaves... I live in an apartment. Mm -hmm. Can I put it out in the balcony? Yep, you can. we, lovely. Once we're frost-free, you can take it outside. Let it be a green plant all summer outside, water as required. By August, end of August, early September, when it's starting to cool down and the days are getting shorter, you'll bring it into your apartment and you'll completely stop watering it. And well,
5: thank I'll, you very, very much.
3: Okay. I thoroughly
5: enjoy your show. Thank you.
3: Have a good day. Bye bye, You're, you're
2: welcome back anytime, Dorothy. That's right. <laughs> Let My us gosh. know
3: how that works the out. The
2: door is always open here at the studio of AM 740, <laughs> <laughs> located in the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village.
3: The, the door is oh, Be careful. And People are going to start storming the
2: barricades. <laughs> storming the Bastille, was it? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, yes. Michelle in Toronto is on the line. Good morning, Michelle.
6: Good morning, good morning. Good morning. I'm calling about Abigail double peony tulips, which bloomed last year for the first time. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you recall, I got very distressed because somebody took off all the flowering heads before they actually bloomed.
3: I think I do remember. We think it was squirrels, don't
0: we?
6: Well, we we hope it was squirrels, let's Hmm. put it that way. (laughs) Okay, so the leaves are coming up mm-hmm. and they're looking, and a couple of them are looking floppy as if it's a, uh, you know, when I have tired tulips in my garden. So I know what tired tulips look like, mm-hmm. the tulips that I've left in the ground too long. Mm-hmm. So I took out the uh, package and it says tulips may be left in the soil even though flowering degenerates. Mm -hmm. but they can also be lifted after the foliage fades. So does that mean that these Abigail double peony tulips are really only good for one season?
3: Well, Because that's what the leaves look like. Okay, well, what I would do is don't panic. Wait and see. I think what you'll find, many of the hybrid tulips are best- the first year not as beautiful the second year a little scrawny the third year and and really not very attractive by the fourth year so that that is the trick with the hybrid the highly hybridized tulips they they do deteriorate over time but you're only at the second year so don't give up because they should they should be fine i mean we've had some it's been a very cool wet spring and remember tulips don't like to be in soggy soil. So that might be partly why they're looking a bit tired right now. They might actually be just too wet.
6: Okay, so thank you. So I have to be patient?
3: Yes, be patient. Don't don't give up. Keep an eye on them, enjoy them this year, take pictures, and then recognize that ultimately you will need to replace them. And of course, I'm a huge fan of things like daffodils because daffodils just get better. They spread, they naturalize, they fill in spaces.
6: I know, and typically, I know. squirrels don't touch them. Uh, that's that's my success
3: story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for You're your call. You're welcome,
2: Michelle. Thank you so much for calling into the Garden Show. And we'll continue with uh, more callers uh, online right after these words on AM740 Zoomer Radio.
1: Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: Hi, good morning. Frank Proctor joining you on this podcast. Beautiful day in May, <laughs> says he. <laughs> I'm trying to, if I say it enough, it'll happen. You know, you know spring's going to be here.
3: All that rain did bring some beautiful flowers into my garden. Yes,
2: it did. And uh, in my way to work uh, yesterday morning, mm-hmm. I heard robins for the first time. They really? Were chirping. Yeah. You haven't yeah. heard robins? No, of course, I'm, my hearing is not the greatest. <laughs> yeah, thing, but <laughs> maybe that's what <laughs> that's, it is. That could be it. From Brampton, let's welcome Nejma to the line. Good morning, Nejma.
5: Good morning. How are you?
2: Fine, thank you.
5: Morning. This is my second call, so I should get oh, no chimes. I'm thinking, okay.
3: right? <laughs> no, no chimes. You got your wings already.
5: <laughs> That's so cute. You. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, I, I have a quick question for you, and this is um, didn't get a chance to do the fall pruning uh, as I wanted to, and what and with this weather, I was went, you know venturing out to my garden, and I realized that you know with the winter damage and all, there's mm-hmm. a lot of my lilacs. There's you know some branches of sort of all enough that I need to take out. Mm-hmm. But there's buds and things and other. So I'm just now wondering, is it too late to prune because now they're
3: active in my mind?
5: Uh, no. And I don't okay. want to hurt them. So I'm, I'd like to get, clean up my garden yes. before the real... Is this too late? I no, this
3: it's not too to late that? at all. No, not at all. The, right now is a perfect time because there's no leaves getting in the way. So it's a perfect time to kind of look at the structure of our shrubs and our trees. Many of us are still have shrubs and trees with damage that they sustained due to the ice. So there's all that cleanup pruning to do to make sure we don't have anything hanging, broken, jagged, uh, where things did break off back in December. Make sure that's all cleaned up and all the the cuts are clean and dry and you do all your cutting, obviously, with nice, sharp tools. The other thing we do now, typically, is we look, again, every spring, for anything that looks diseased, anything that's dead, or anything that's damaged on our trees and shrubs. So branches that are rubbing together, where the bark has now been rubbed off, or definitely deadwood, where it's black or it's crispy and you can just tell that's, you know, dead bits. So Mm -hmm. all that cleaning and cutting should take place now, preferably on a sunny day, but certainly now, uh, this time of year. When it comes to things like lilacs, I like to wait until after they flower to do any radical pruning. Like if you say, okay, my lilac is six feet tall, I want it to be four feet tall, I say let's wait till after it flowers, which should be in the next four to six weeks, and then we'll cut it back to four feet tall, rather than doing that now. You'll miss all the flowers if you do that kind of radical pruning on a lilac.
5: Okay, so okay. just the trimming and clean up yeah. that's what I was worried about.
3: Yeah. The, good to know. Yeah, yeah, the hydrangeas always have deadwood, Japanese maples always have deadwood, roses always have deadwood, so now this is the time of year to be looking for all of that and cleaning that all out.
5: So if I have a climbing rose which I do, I just planted mm-hmm. that um, year before last and it, I don't, it didn't do well in the winter it looks like.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, you know, it had just sort of started to go. But There's a lot of Like you said, the dead wood. So I'm going to, even if it's a climbing kind of
3: rose, you still remove. And
5: it'll, new new, uh, shoots will come out and things like
3: that. That's right. Because remember, once the soil starts to warm up and the plants start to grow, if Mm -hmm. we clear out all the dead, all of a sudden the plant has, it's very invigorated and all kinds of dormant buds will break and start to grow. As along with all this pruning, we should be fertilizing. Remember, all of our garden plants get fertilized in the spring. And again, that's going to support new growth on all these plants.
5: So is there a particular
3: fertilizer at this time of year that I'm supposed to use? Um, some people use rose food for roses and clematis food for clematis and tomato food for tomatoes. I'm a little more broad in my range. I tend to use a flowering plant fertilizer for flowering plants. So a fifteen thirty fifteen kind of number, uh, or any kind of like flowering plant fertilizer, is what you want for your roses, for anything, any of your flowering shrubs. Lawn fertilizer, okay, that's a special one, but otherwise, generally speaking, it's a it's a pretty all-purpose okay, right. I, fertilizer. I
5: had, um, I mean, you probably, I don't know about brands, but the one I had uh, used there was uh, miracle Grow, and it seems to be more of a generic kind, and... That's you know that you can use. So that's what
3: I wondered. You can oh, you, like nice. Miracle Grow is pretty generic. For they do make a couple of different Miracle Grows, but you can certainly use it. Uh, uh, you know, get Miracle Grow and use it for most of your garden plants. The other thing, of course, is remember to top dress. Remember, we're always adding organic matter every spring, preferably every fall. Add organic matter to the surface of your soil, and that will feed your plants as well.
6: Okay,
5: All right. great. I thank you so much. For thank your, you for so
2: joining much. the show, Najma.
5: Thanks for your call.
2: And I'm going to ask the other callers who are online right now and listening in, just to hold on, please. Uh, we do have a special guest. We will get to you, uh, but we have a special guest that uh, Charlie will more uh, adeptly introduce uh, now. To, <laughs> How about that? And
3: to you, Frank, as well. Yes, yes. Uh, Okay, so we are being joined on the line by Miriam Goldberger. She's the founder and co-owner of Wildflower Farm, which is near Coldwater. And now she's a published author of the new book called Taming Wildflower. Good morning Miriam. Good morning to both
2: of you. Well good morning. Nice to talk to you this Miriam. This is
3: Frank Proctor. Hi there Frank.
2: Nice to meet you. And well. I, I had a quick peek at your book. It looks say. marvelous.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's a pretty book and it's got Thank great you.
2: information in it.
3: Yes,
7: we've jam-packed it with <laughs> the ultimate... so much information. I mean, there's a lot of really lush pictures that mm-hmm. you can just have a wonderful time just absorbing the beauty mm-hmm. and looking through it, but there's a lot of information in there, and a lot of information, in fact, that's not in other wildflower books, lots of stuff that's really different, like pictures of seedlings you know i mean everybody has to yeah. wonder when you're weeding right. you know is that something to weed out is that something to keep you know when they're tiny little seedlings how can you tell well that's in taming wildflowers
3: that's right and you've taken those photographs because you've grown millions of seedlings Millions
7: and millions of <laughs> wildflowers
3: over the years. Yeah, I Absolutely,
2: I know the name of the book is "Taming Wildflowers." But there's one sentence at the top that really encapsulates, I think, what this book is all about: bringing the beauty and splendor of nature's blooms into your own backyard. I think that's a great line. Yeah,
7: thank you so much. Yes, and that—that's what the, the the whole idea of the book is to encourage people to understand how easy it is mm-hmm. to include wildflowers in their landscape right and how important it is and mm-hmm. the multifaceted ways that wildflowers pay you back
3: right and okay. how easy they can be to maintain
7: oh they're so easy to maintain
3: drought tolerant all kinds of great things that way i mean i guess yeah. deadheading is probably the biggest thing we do with any of our flowers
7: well, the great thing about the wildflowers is once you plant them in the place that they like, mm-hmm. they don't need to be watered. They don't need to be fertilized. They're mm-hmm. enormously long-lived, mm-hmm. and l- most of them are very long-blooming. Right, right. And they happen to make amazing cut flowers.
3: Yes. And you would have a whole section on that, on, yes. on cut flower gardens, um, you know, designing them and planting mm-hmm. them and what cuts mm-hmm. for long periods. Really good information. Exactly.
7: But, and, uh, and you're uh, a floral
3: designer on the side, aren't you, Miriam?
7: Oh, I've, I've been working with uh, floral design for many, many years. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And one of my favorite chapters in the book is the DIY Wildflower Wedding. Because that way people can can w- work with the wildflowers and and they learn them and they they see how gorgeous they are, and uh, yeah, I did. I, I worked with three different brides yeah. last summer putting the book together, and it was such a blast.
3: I know. I, I went right to those pages when I first opened the book. I I always seem to start at the back of a book, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I thought that was a really good idea. It was like you hosted the bridal party. At the Wildflower Farm, they picked their own flowers. They made their own bouquets, centerpieces, boutonnieres, all of that f- for their wedding event. Yeah, cool idea.
7: Yeah, well, absolutely. And the thing is, you know, it's it's a it's it's a green wedding. Mm-hmm. It's uh, cost effective. It, and I love the part that it empowers their own creativity. Yeah, and I feel that way about gardening in general. Yeah. And wildflowers are are so perfect because they really do so much for the planet because mm-hmm. I have a whole chapter in the book too about the importance of wildflowers as far as helping our pollinators survive mm.
3: very important
7: I mean they've they've grown up together through tens of thousands of years and they need each other mm-hmm. in order to survive there's some great studies right now about farmers who are putting in large tracts of wildflowers mm-hmm. and are finding that uh, all of their uh, costs are dropping, mm-hmm. and the uh, productivity Heels, yeah. of their crops it's is going up.
3: Increasing.
7: Uh, yeah, because you're bringing in the beneficial insects, right. and you don't need all the insecticides. And yeah. the native bees, mm-hmm. which are attracted to all the wildflowers, mm-hmm. Um, actually, are much more efficient pollinators than the, the European honeybees. Right. Not that I have anything against European honeybees <laughs> at all.
3: <laughs> it's true. We like any any insects that are going to be pollinators for us. And and what is it? Two thirds of our food is pollinated by insects. So without yes. without yes, the a flowers. That's uh, conservative mm-hmm. statistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly.
7: Absolutely. We we really need to provide the food and habitat mm-hmm. for the pollinators if If we want to keep eating, and you know most of us think that's a good idea well,
3: and particularly the fruits and vegetables
7: absolutely and and i i really I really have been having a wonderful time uh, educating community garden folks and anybody who's got a vegetable garden mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. to incorporate just a few wildflowers, and you will see how efficiently your crops are pollinated, how much more efficiently mm-hmm. your crops are pollinated, and also you can use those as as great cut flowers, and there are just so many benefits.
3: Well, and they're pretty. I mean, it's they're a, qua- yeah, a quality-of-life thing going on when your vegetable garden is very, very attractive, not to mention buzzing with activity. <laughs>
6: exactly. Speaking
3: exactly.
7: of attractive... And that's so, so important. I mean, this is kind of the, the ultimate organic cutting garden, yeah. essentially.
2: Yeah. Uh, speaking of attractive, I'm leafing through your book, and yes. all of a sudden there appears a beautiful young lady with a tattoo on her back, and I'm wait a minute, Aww. what's Miriam doing here? <laughs> and there's a wonderful story that goes along with that. I don't know whether we get time to talk about it entirely, but uh, there is a story behind this. Uh, Dana, Dana, the young, young lady's name. Uh, and... Yeah, Dana. Mm-hmm. What?
7: Yeah, I, last winter, I when I was working on the book, and and it was all drab and gray, I, I just blasted something on Facebook with vivid purple blazing stars and all of a sudden this person I didn't even know was talking to me about how much she loved wildflowers and we ended up getting into a long talk and she ended up becoming a, a, a real close friend of mine she's a young lady in her 20s lives in Ohio whose mother had raised her to love wildflowers and her mother had tragically died of cancer and her way of expressing her love for her mother was to make this incredible tattoo of a meadow, a wildflower meadow, on her back that she adds to every
2: Isn't, year. It's beautiful. It really
3: is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow, it, nice story.
7: Yeah. Good yeah, for you. Really interesting. Yeah.
3: Now, now, Miriam, in the past, we've talked about Wildflower Farm, not with you, but with some of our callers, around eco-lawn. Mm-hmm. Did you want to tell us a little bit about um, the, your development and your distribution of that eco-lawn seed?
7: Sure, Charlie. Eco-lawn is, is a... Uh, A lawn you mow just once a month or less. You can grow it in the sun, in shade, under pine trees. It's very drought tolerant, which means that once it's established, uh, it will stay green even during a drought. It's it's a blend of seven fine fescues that that we developed, gosh, now, 18 years ago. And it's enormously effective as a low-maintenance, sustainable lawn. And, uh, yeah, we're so excited about it. Even after all these years, because it really is a, a fantastically sustainable solution. It's actually the official lawn of the upcoming Pan Am Games.
3: Too. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. Well, because we do get a lot of calls on this show about lawns. Mm-hmm. A number of our listeners are on rural properties. They have big mm-hmm. lawns. They struggle with things like weeds, or mm-hmm. you know, bugs, or whatever, drought. Mm-hmm. The and uh, thing
7: about the eco lawn is that it actually physically crowds out weeds, mm-hmm. and it also functions like a um, Black walnut tree; it actually emits a chemical that kills off competitive weeds, mm. so it is its own pre-emergent. Perfect. Which is really quite awesome. A lot of people in urban and suburban and rural properties use the Eco yeah, Lawn. A lot yeah. of municipalities, landscape architects.
3: For, Very cool stuff. Well, it's a great idea because I mean, you know, you think of the sports fields that uh, are supposedly turf and are struggling this year because it's been so wet and cold. They're not able to start up the, the soccer games for the kids because mm-hmm. the sports fields aren't ready to go. So mm-hmm. I can imagine that there's a, a certain amount of recognition of overseeding and top dressing and getting uh, good quality grass seeds out like that.
7: Yes, you can absolutely <clears> overseed <throat> with mm-hmm. eco lawn in order to convert uh, over mm-hmm. a number of overseedings of the a, a lawn into an eco-lawn. A lot of people will do that as well. And it works in in all those spots that regular lawns don't work. Mm -hmm, And It has these wonderful deep roots and fine blades. It's wonderful to walk on barefoot too. Perfect.
3: So Miriam, people want your book, people want eco-lawn, people want to learn more about wildflowers. How are they going to get a hold of you?
7: Oh, it's really easy. Wildflowerfarm.com and
3: yeah, then Taming Wildflowers has its
7: own website, too, which is tamingwildflowers.com.
3: Perfect. So Wildflower Farm, and you do sell seeds and eco-lawn and the book over the Internet, so people can just look yeah, you up th- that way. Yeah, over the
7: Internet, and, the, and there's also a list of all the retailers
3: uh, that carry eco-lawn throughout North America Great. on the website, too. Perfect. So, yeah. Good stuff. Absolutely. Good for you. Well, congratulations, Miriam. It's a good-looking book.
2: Indeed, Thank congratulations. You. Thank you
3: both. I okay. really appreciate your your interest. It's wonderful. I I wish everybody a, a
7: great gardening weekend. Oh
3: yeah, no kidding. You too. May Thank the sunshine at Wildflower Farm. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> and let
2: a little spill over here too. Yeah,
3: exactly. Thanks, Fair Miriam. Thanks, Miriam. Talk Thanks, to you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye.
2: Well, there, well, interesting lady, and yeah. uh, wow, that book really, folks. It's it's a wonderful book. Uh, just uh, a yeah, brief a few very minutes educational ahead.
3: and attractive.
2: Mm-hmm. Now we have to return to our callers very shortly. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, several have been hanging on the line there for several minutes, and we will come back to talk to Rose, who is a first-time caller in uh, in Toronto, in just a couple of moments. First, these notes on AM seven forty Zoomer Radio.
1: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size There's more going on in the garden than we do realize And should little creatures become a big problem Well, then you've got the garden show with Charlie Dobbin Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740
2: Just a nod to uh, Damien, our producer this morning Get those wind chimes ready, Damien um, Let them roll Oh, there that's we go good. That's good, that's for Rose in Toronto First time caller, hello Rose
5: Good morning. Welcome Rose. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have a a problem being in Toronto. I have a a vegetable garden Mm -hmm. and the unfortunate thing is that I know it's important to rotate your crops but uh, it isn't that big. The majority of my my plants would be tomato plants that I, I do my own seedlings and then I have a few pole beans and whatnot. So I have no way of rotating the crops. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do to put into my garden other than compost, which I do every year, to, to prepare it and sort of make it more productive?
3: Hmm. Good question, actually, because a lot of us are in that situation. Or we just don't have that back 40 that we can rotate no. the, the crops through. Um, now, honestly, in a perfect world, what you would do is you take a year or two off from gardening vegetables in that garden mm-hmm. and you would grow something like, oh, let me think. I was going to say soybeans, but, or, you know, it's, it, you want to uh, get a legume into that earth and it will actually make the earth better and not grow tomatoes, I mean, even if you grew some just beans and put all your tomatoes in in, uh, big pots for a Mm -hmm. year or Mm -hmm. two, then go back in with your tomatoes and rotate that way. You will find that you'll get better quality tomatoes by doing that. Beans are a little easier to grow just about anywhere. And they actually, because they're a member of the legume family, they actually do improve the soil hmm hmm Unlike tomatoes that rape and pillage the soil. So it's one of those things where you, you just can't keep doing tomatoes in the same spot and keep getting quality tomatoes. How about that?
5: I I'm know. going to have to give up my tomatoes.
2: <laughs> well, in pots, or uh, yeah. do you have too many?
5: Yeah, that would be the only thing. Okay, well, okay, thank you very much.
3: You're very welcome. Sorry about that. I mean, the other is digging and, and, you know, moving soil around the garden, if that's possible to some extent. And as you pointed out, adding compost is very important. That does help. So good luck with that, Rose. Thank you.
2: Very good. Boy, I'm telling you, the, the wind chimes are going to be busy as all get out this morning. <laughs> a windy
3: day uh, down here Let's at the ring Zoom them complex. again,
2: Damien. <laughs> this time for Neil in Waterloo. Hi, good morning,
0: Neil. Good morning, Frank.
3: Morning. Welcome to the show.
0: Hiya, Charlie. It's a beautiful fall day,
3: <laughs> isn't it?
0: <laughs> I'm calling about hydrangeas. Uh-huh. Uh
3: huh.
0: My wife and I have had an ongoing discussion whether to cut them back in the fall or the spring or not at all. <laughs>
3: good question. Do you have any idea what kind of hydrangeas? Are the flowers round or are they conical in
0: shape? Big, round, pink and that's Mm -hmm. my second question. Uh, We were told we could make them blue if we sprinkled.
3: (laughs) Okay, so the... Alright, so these are great questions. Now the round flowers means it's a hydrangea macrophylla. Macrophylla means big leaves. So commonly yeah, referred is. to as mop head or big leaved hydrangeas. Right. So do we cut them in the fall or the spring? Personally, I cut them in the spring because I like to see those those crispy bronze flowers hanging on the plants over the winter because right. that can be quite ornamental. In the oh, spring in that argument then. Okay, you win that one. All right, one for you. Now, in the spring, we go out to the garden when things are starting to grow. We look at the stems that are standing above ground there from those hydrangeas, and we will see little green buds, uh, little opposite pairs of buds all along those stems. Kinds, it might yeah. be right up to the tips, or it might be just right down at the base. It's a question of what has survived the winter. Generally speaking, I cut all my macrophyllas down to being about six inches tall in the spring. So that's what I would do, and you do it now. Hello. Pardon? Are you there?
2: Whoops! Uh, uh, seems you might have been cut oh, off there. So There's okay. So hopefully, Hello. Neil, oh, there, there we are. Hello, are, Neil.
3: Neil, can you hear me? Hello.
2: No, I Hello. guess there. Yeah, oh, he he can't hear us for some reason. Right? I don't think so. No.
3: Well, hopefully, he will f- hang up the phone and turn up his radio, and then he can hear us or. Alternatively, listen to the podcast, which will be up on the web in a couple of days. Bottom line is cut your hydrangeas back to about six inches tall now or in the next week or so. And the idea of turning pink hydrangeas blue is based on changing the pH of your soil. So that's adding a sulfur fertilizer sulfur-based fertilizer to the soil around your hydrangea, lowers the pH, and they won't really turn blue, but they might turn mauve this year. You might get just a bit of a purplish tinge. But it's an ongoing process. You have to do it every year, every six weeks, every year, to really modify the pH to keep those uh, hydrangeas from turning pink again.
2: Neil, by the way, uh, I know personally. Oh, do you? Uh, yeah, he's a wonderful actor, oh. a comedian. Uh-huh. And he's just a riot, and he does a lot of work in the uh, theater community, uh, particularly oh. around the Kitchener Waterloo area. And you know him, you know, like everybody. I've had, well, no, I've had one of those moments. You're, you know, you, yeah. I, I know him so well, and I can't recall his well, last name, and he's going to kill me. Oh, I bet he is. <laughs> but, yeah, but you recognize anyway. his voice, obviously. yes? Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. No, <laughs> and he's he's a marvelous actor. Uh, meantime, we we better move along to uh, another call here quickly. Yes. Uh, and it is indeed Neil. Uh, pardon me, Sally. From Hamilton, who as well is a first time caller. There you go. Good morning, and Hi, welcome Sally. to the
7: show. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Enjoying your show very much. I also have a question about hydrangea, and I have, it seems like, some of that I just learned today from mm, you. Yeah. And I want to know when I could plant it in the garden. I got it for Easter. And uh, I want to put it in the garden. When, when would be a good time to do that?
3: Okay, so this is another good question. We do love our hydrangeas, don't we? Uh, they are a very common Easter plant and Mother's Day plant coming up. Remember, though, those plants, those Easter Mother's Day blooming hydrangeas that we receive as gifts are florist hydrangeas. They may not be hardy outside. So that never never hurts to try, but don't be disappointed if this plant does not survive in the long term in your garden. Um, mm-hmm. I've certainly had them survive for one or two winters, but by the third winter, it's toast. They just sometimes don't make it. Bottom line, wait and see till we are frost-free. When is that going to be, I wonder? Right. Sometimes we're frost-free now. Clearly, I don't think we are yet. We're going to have to wait a couple of weeks. Also, the soil needs to warm up. Even if the temperature is not going below zero, the soil is way too cold to be taking a tender little plant like that that was grown in a greenhouse and taking it outside. So you will wait a couple of weeks. Then you'll start very gently... Introducing that plant to the real world, the outdoor world, right. outside in the shade, a couple hours a day, in at night, slowly uh-huh. but surely introducing it. Allow the wind to start hitting it. Get it into some partial sun, partial shade. Morning sun is always the best I find with hydrangeas, and okay. uh, find that the sort of perfect spot in the garden. So you know, a couple weeks from now, you're taking it outside. Slowly but surely, it's getting ready to be planted. Might be three, four weeks before it's in the ground.
7: Yeah, and I like some of the flowers, uh, they're sort of dying. Do I just clip them off yeah. or what?
3: Exactly. Just clip those off. New green leaves are going to grow. And once you get it outside, you're likely to start to see some more flowers come on it.
2: Uh huh.
7: Great. Well, okay. thank you very much. Thanks, Sally. Excellent.
3: Thanks for, Sally. Thanks for your call. I appreciate it.
2: You're, you're helping uh, to set our record, Sally, uh, by the way. Uh, first Sally, time caller, Or Charlie. Uh, uh, Charlie, uh, pardon me. Yeah, that's okay.
3: That's... I can be Sally.
2: <laughs> were we not talking, to
3: Sally? Yes, we were. <laughs> we were but yeah, no, no. Not but calling sure. uh, me, Sally. I'm
2: referring. No, no, because <laughs> Sally was a first-time caller, yes. and we've had more first-time oh, callers that, eh? and more to come. Uh, Lawrence, for instance, uh, we're going to be back to talk to you, a first-time caller, in just a moment daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Scythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia,
4: lavender and
5: lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and
2: williams.
5: you
1: pick picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: And the sous chef of the garden, uh, Frank Proctor, here is waving uh, to the microphone uh, that wave for Lawrence, who, as well, get it, is a first-time caller. There you go. You got your wings, Lawrence. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. Morning, Lawrence.
4: Good morning, Charlie and Frank. I have a question regarding damage to a flowering crab that I've had for 15 years, and I built a deck around it. Oh. So I'm trying to save it, and that mm-hmm. terrible ice storm mm-hmm. took off a rather large limb on it It was about 8 inches diameter. Mm. But It left a cavity where it sheared off from the main portion. Right. And it's good, healthy wood under there, and I wanted to know what I could, uh, how I would best treat that,
3: uh, fill that cavity and uh, save the tree. You know what? A tree that's that important, where your deck is built around it and it's obviously, you know, an important specimen in your garden— I would have a professional come and recommend what you should do. It may be that there's just, you, you leave it alone, the tree will heal, uh, there's no filling required, or it may be that the, the shape of the cavity and the way the wind blows, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, a professional arborist, a certified arborist, may suggest that you do some filling with something as simple as paraffin wax. Right? It's not like we use pruning paint. Um, we have used concrete, certainly, to fill cavities, sometimes in the past. Uh, but it, there's an optimal time to do that as well. In a best case, the tree will seal and heal itself. Well, you know, many years ago, I, was, I think I dealt with you
4: when you worked at White Rose out in North Oshawa. That's a few years That's a few years, a few years exactly. <laughs> and um, in the conversation, I, I think... It was you. It probably was actually. I went and I was uh, there. um, A mixture of vermiculite and cement. And uh,
3: I didn't know the, I don't remember the proportions. Yeah, me neither. Uh, Again, with a tree that's that important, I would get a certified arborist to come and look, like, do an an inspection of the tree and make recommendations from that point. Um, If you like, I will, I can look up. Um, the, a concrete vermiculite proportion and report back to you on that uh, and at, on another show in the future. But at this point, yeah, I don't know that proportion either.
4: Okay, if you would do that, I would appreciate it. All right, not a problem.
2: A little I, homework there for Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks okay, Lawrence, all the very best. bye uh, Here we are on the Garden Show from AM740, Zoomer Radio, and uh, a first-time caller from Catsworth. Lindy, where is uh, Catsworth, Lindy?
8: My name is Linda.
2: Oh, Linda. I'm that's, sorry. That's
8: okay. And Chatsworth is near Owen, uh, Owen Sound. Oh, yes. oh, very good. Welcome okay. to the show, Linda. Well, thank you very much. And do I get the wind chimes? Yes. Oh, you yeah, did we... hear them there? They we were... Can...
3: We'll... There you go.
8: Thank you. Yeah, there's your wings. <laughs> oh, good morning, Charlie and Frank.
3: <laughs> nice to meet you.
8: I have recently moved to this property in the country, mm-hmm. and when I did move, it, everything was covered with about uh, three and a half feet of snow. Mm-hmm. Which has finally disappeared, and I find that um, a lot of the ground is covered by periwinkle, Mm. and I would like to get rid of that. How do I do that,
3: Charlie? Mm, That's Well, with a lot of diligent pulling and digging. Oh, no, there's... (laughs) Like acres of it. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, that's periwinkle is so pretty in small quantities, but it can be very invasive. Yeah, uh, and, and I understand that nothing can grow if if the ground is covered with periwinkle. Not really. It's it, it does shade out the, the roots of everything. Like it's, it's uh it's a pretty brutish plant. It okay. kind of it tends to just take over take over everybody, which is why you're looking at such a large quantity of it. I mean, the other way to consider eliminating it is with something called solarization. So what it is, is laying tarpaulin, dark plastic of whatever kind, right over top of the periwinkle. Okay. Getting that, you know, large sheets of dark plastic sealed at the edges, whether it's with rocks or with soil, so that 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 plastic is as tight to the ground as you can and no sun no light is getting underneath uh-huh. more rocks more dirt on top just to make sure that that plastic is is well stabilized okay. and it sits there for as much as 6 weeks 8 weeks as the sun beats down it will it will basically cook the periwinkle and kill it and kill it and yeah. kill the roots too that's right Okay. Wow. That's and it's a, it's an effective method because, of course, the the insects, the worms, etc they can all get out from underneath that plastic. The plants can't move and okay. they die. But it will take a period of time. It will take a good, like I say, eight weeks minimum for all that periwinkle to die and a lot of plastic. But okay. you can work at it, you know, piece by piece.
8: Right. Um, there's nothing that I could spray on that periwinkle to get rid of it a little more quickly
3: than six to eight weeks? Um, the only thing out there that, no, not, not legally, you couldn't. Oh. I mean, Oh, okay. I mean, Roundup is out there to be used on noxious weeds like poison ivy, but Roundup is not available to be used on periwinkle. The other herbicides, you know, the the lemon juice or um, acetic acid based uh, herbicides, I don't think would kill periwinkle. Okay, it's got it's got too waxy of a leaf. It's uh, it's going to just repel any kind of uh, chemical you try
2: and put on it.
8: Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for your information, and I do enjoy the show immensely. Thank you so much thank for calling. You. Okay. Bye Alrighty. now. righty.
2: You know, we have to scoot. I'm getting the word there from yes, Damien because uh, Dave's Corner Garage gang they have arrived. They yes, have. And they I in see fine them. Fine, fettle too. They
3: probably had to take <laughs> helicopters to get here because there's so much construction out there and there's so many road closures. It's I frankly spent the night here last night i mean there was just no way i was going to be able to drive here in the morning so,
2: Yeah, what's well, crazy isn't it it, it is
3: crazy nuts. stay home if you can uh, watch the raptors game tomorrow go raptors oh uh, yeah guess where i'm going tomorrow though where are you going i'm going to the dominican republic what yes i'm pretty sure i told you this but uh, um, yeah, yeah. Sure. anyway i'm not okay. here next week but Dennis Flanagan will yes, be did here. Yes, you tell me. I, so I he will be taking uh, my place here with you, Franklin. Thank you very much. You're so good at, at being the best well, sous chef he's in the a world. Fun guy too. And Dennis is always fun. And he's uh, very knowledgeable and very silly. And I'm sure you'll both have a lot of fun. And I won't be able to listen to all the nasty things you're saying about me. But <laughs> uh, So keep it to a minimum because I'll listen later. Thank you, Damien Murray. You've done Excellent a fine job. job flying solo. And thank you to all of our great colleagues. Couldn't do this show without them And uh, so many first-time callers
2: Super exciting preponderance of calls Good word Yeah. (laughs) Mm.
3: And instead of seeing you all next week I'll see you in two weeks
2: Have a good time in the uh, Republic
0: Thank you Mm. This has been an exclusive podcast Of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin Heard every Saturday morning at 9 On Zoomer Radio The new AM 740 This has been an exclusive podcast Of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin